You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No While we are extremely proud of our episodes this month to celebrate pride and highlight our parents in the LGBTQ community, we also know that there is a seismic shift in awareness and action taking place with regard to the Black Lives Matter movement here in our country fighting for social justice in our world. The episode you are about to listen to was recorded prior to the Black Lives Matter protests currently taking place. When you listen, please bear this in mind. We pledge our support to our Black brothers and sisters during this time and always. Please visit our Instagram page for resources to help you raise an anti-racist child. Change, for their future begins now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mom is Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. And today you're listening to our episode with Yale and Juilliard graduate, last seen on Broadway in the critically acclaimed quorum boy, Christina Rauner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. And today we have a Yale and Juilliard graduate, mother of two, last seen on Broadway in the critically acclaimed Quorum Boy. I saw it. It was incredible. Uh, she's been seen all over television, basically every show you love, The Blacklist, Succession, Blue Bloods, Law and Order, The Good Wife, the list goes on and on and on. And we are so happy to have her here with us, Christina Rauner. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited. Can I have that resume? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are also all my favorite shows, you know. Oh, but like, all right now. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you absolutely. so much. We're so happy that you're here. Oh, um, so happy to be here. The first question we ask all of our guests is uh, to tell us about their children, because it's not something that a lot of women get asked to talk about. That's right. Um, I have two children. Uh, I have a 17-year-old kid, um, female-born, gender non-binary, who was christened Miranda Elizabeth Greer, now goes by Andy. And I also have a 13-year-old son, Spencer Greer, um, and they are amazing, and they're off doing their work right now. Um, Yeah, I feel very, very blessed to have both of them. Um, given this crazy career that we're all in and how hard it is to have kids in this environment sometimes. So you're having the 
self-isolation experience of being with teenagers. So different from Jessica and I having young ones during this time. You know, yes. you said they're, they're off doing their schoolwork right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, you know, my hat is so off to you guys because I think for anyone trying to manage little ones now and also working and I mean, it's, you know, teenagers have their own particular challenges, but it's a completely different thing from trying to manage little, little kids and, and have anything like your own schedule. Or really yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult. I think there are difficulties on all sides of it though. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, yeah. the blessing to having the little ones is, is, the understanding that they have of the situation is not as deep as I would right. assume your, your teenagers have. Um, yeah. So there are silver linings to everything. No, you're, you're right. Yes. But with those teenagers, that means you can be like, Hey y'all, I'm going to go take a nap or yeah. I'm going to do, you know, yeah. y'all do your thing and I'm going to do mine. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to see. It's not as easy as you might think, especially now, you know, I mean, I know that they're, um, there's regression happening all over the place with kids because of the uncertainty of the situation. And um, we're actually in this really big house now. We're staying at the house of a friend of mine um, in Greenwich, Connecticut. And it's absolutely enormous, right on the ocean, swimming pool, everything. And um, I was in bed the other day, finally went up to sit and read and have some time to myself and slowly, you know, Spencer came in and then Andy came in and they wanted to show me things on their phone or what they've been doing. And then Matthew came in and I had this realization of like, gee, I just wanted a few minutes to myself. And we're in this enormous place where there are all these rooms. Like how did we all end up on the bed? So are you guys in the city normally? Like, are you an apartment? Yeah, we're normally in Park Slope. Oh, okay. In an apartment. So this is a, this is a great, this is the great expansion for us, which is nice. How wonderful that you were able to get out. Um, So the reason we asked you here is to talk about Andy and your Mm -hmm. experience. So when I met Christina, I met you through your husband, Matthew, who was on Mm -hmm. the Spamalot tour with us. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I met Andy, she was Miranda. Um, So can you take us through how this conversation started, how you started to be aware that um, Miranda was not comfortable in her socially assigned gender. Yes, it's been a very um, kind of, I guess I would say a slow evolution. Um, And I guess I would say it started sort of toward the end of middle school Um, they came home from school one day and first of all, let me preface this all by saying that this was a very girly girl, super girly girl, um, in the sense of, you know, dresses and, you know, pink and purple and the whole thing and very, um, into fairies and very floaty, floaty, airy energy. Right. Um, but they came home from school, I want to say in sixth or seventh, uh, seventh grade, I think, and said to me, um, mommy, I figured out something really great today. And I said, oh, what was that? And they said, I'm a heteromantic bisexual. And I was like, oh, okay, ha- ha- hang on, you know? And I was like- <laughs> And the way they said, just like, yeah, this out, I figured it out. Yeah, this is so great for me. <laughs> so, um, 
So heteromantic bisexual meaning that they fall in love with, um, they only fall in love with boys, but that they're sexually attracted to boys and girls. So I was like, awesome, great that you figure this out and that it was, it's, it was a celebratory announcement. I felt really good about that. And then, um, so that was just the beginning of, uh, you know, an inkling that there was some, something other than like the, the normative, for lack of a better word, which is a bad word, but um, sense of themselves. So, um, and then as time went by and they moved into high school, um, a couple of things happened. One was that, and this is a very imaginatively suggestible kid, right? So she read the Percy Jackson novels. And the Percy Jackson, her favorite character in Percy Jackson was this gender non-binary character. And my husband to this day feels that there was something very uh, salient about that experience of identifying with a character, right? This is something that this kid has always done. Read something, see something, hear something, gets an idea and decides that they want to be that thing from the idea. But when, when they got into high school, um, there was a complete sort of emotional shutdown that happened um, that was really hard to watch as a parent because this had been a kid who had gone arms wide open to the world like their whole life with this beautiful expectation of good all the time, right? And suddenly, you know, the kid was, she was sitting separate from the rest of the class, wearing her headphones all the time, not talking to people, not sitting with anybody at lunchtime, um, completely different energy. And I learned from them after that, that that had come partly as a result of feeling that um, they had shared a certain secret about themselves, that their belief in that their belief in their own sort of magic, internal magic with exactly the wrong person who had totally squashed them and said like, that's bullshit, what are you talking about? You know, people don't have magic within them. And, and this whole kind of identity crisis happened of like, oh my God, I, my whole life I thought that, you know, I had these wonderful magical things going on inside me. What if I'm totally wrong? What if I, what if my whole sense of myself is completely um, unfounded? So there was this complete internal collapse and that went on for that whole year. And then at the very end of the year, um, they had been talking about wanting to audition for the plays. Not a theater kid before this. Went um, and auditioned for the plays. Got a role in one of the plays. Actually, no, it was just working backstage at the drama department. And called me after the first rehearsal and said, Oh my God, mommy, I found my people. <laughs> and, and that community of people um, and the particular uh, female born kids that they really connected with were all non-binary, gay, uh, trans, a whole group of wonderful variations on you know, normative sexual identity. So that social world 
then I think became really influential with Andy in terms of their um, self-identification. And it's evolved over time so that, um, you know, in terms of style, like finding personal style, like they cut their hair off completely short for a while and they were wearing the Doc Martens and the trench coat and the whole thing and wearing a binder. Um, now it's loosened up and they're wearing skirts and their hair's growing out and, you know, they're, you know, but then they want to be able to, I think the main thing is they want to be able to decide. They want to be able to control the narrative and they want to be able to control the image, which I think is a really hard thing because, you know, Andy and I have this conversation about why is it that when we went on vacation, for example, and they had really short hair and they were wearing this really boxy swimsuit and somebody was stripping for a boy, that that doesn't feel as bad as somebody assuming that they're a girl. And we said, well, because I want to be the one that's deciding. I want to be the one. I've done all these things to change myself and, and yet people still assume that I'm a girl. And if they're assuming I'm a boy, that's not right, but at least it makes me feel like I've had an impact. So that got into a conversation sort of wanting to be the one to control other people's perceptions, which I was able to say, you know, I hear you, I understand that, but it's a losing battle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So right now I feel like they're in a really good, but anyway, that's a very long answer to your question, but um to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of it that has to do with feeling other and wanting to find a way to express that. And if you look at the community of kids, high school kids, this is everywhere now. Um, I mean, the heteromantic bisexual thing was the beginning of a whole list of new terms <laughs> that I had to like acquaint myself with, which were unexpected for me. So. I think it's a really um, concrete way for kids to express that sense of otherness. I'm not diminishing in any way that there is some kind of um, essential disconnect with um, traditional notions of femininity or masculinity. But I've, what I've really experienced with Andy is their desire to be the one who can make themselves how they want to be. Right. And, and step aside from those assumptions, which, you know, as we know. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, they said they found their people in the theater and becoming yeah. now uh, someone as actors, we know, right. People right. love to put us in a box. They're going to, right. I mean, the constant struggle I think is to decide out of the who box. we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh boy. What but how incredible that they had this community to find themselves in. Oh, you know, I think that yeah. a lot of kids facing this, especially as they get older, don't have that. So I feel like what a gift yeah. that, that they could see themselves in, in another representation around them that was their peers. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. I think one of the things that concerns me a little bit for Andy as an individual is that 
they have always um, struggled a little bit with trusting the love of their friends, even when there's a real difference. You know, we went through that in like fifth and sixth grade, this sort of difficulty of you don't have to be your friends in order for your friends to love you. It's okay for you to have other likes or to not want to read the book that they're reading or to not love the, you know, show that they're talking about or whatever. So um, there is that issue of, you know, taking your identity from from a group, which I think is such a natural part of, um, first of all, the separation process from your parents, right? That they really identify so much more with their peers now than they do with their family. So, um, yeah, it's been a huge gift that they have these friends and, um, and that they feel the freedom that they do to explore the Absolutely. So with that, I, and I do want to, I would just like to add a little something about the story about Andy finding their people. My dad is a high school, was a high school drama teacher for 39 mm. years. And wow. so I have seen firsthand, you know, more so than just my own high school experience, but just growing up uh, around a community of people who were so accepting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the theater mm-hmm. people do tend, there's all kinds there. And a lot of times, you know, they say it's the misfits or the ones who, you know, don't have another place in the school hierarchy that happens. Right. Um, yeah. but it is such a special, uh, a special community. And I do yeah. think that, um, it's so needed. And in these times when, arts and uh, the funding for schools and programs are being cut. I think that we forget about those programs that perhaps give those who are searching or who don't feel like they belong um, in the normative uh, constraints, you know, that it it gives them a place to find acceptance and to find a community. And I just, I, I wanted to say, you know, support the arts. That's, you know, it's so, it's so important for these children and teenagers as they're figuring their life out, figuring out who they are, um, that they have a supportive community. And, and with that said, how was the, your community, like your family and the, when Andy began to sort of, to transition and become more gender fluid, how was it a struggle for people within your community or is that, was it a um, issue? I mean, just sort of like, okay, well, here we are. It's a really good question. Um, I think that, I think Andy would say in general that the acceptance was really wonderful and they are very close with kids who have not had that experience. Mm-hmm. So um, there were, you know, definitely times when they were very aware that they, you know, their friends could not have the conversations that they're having with their parents, like they're like Andy's having with us. Um, we have in fact become kind of like the cool household. So their friends tend to all congregate and come over to our place, um, which I love. You know, I love that. I feel bad that these kids don't have a place where they can go. And, you know, we have this amazing uh, evening of um, them getting ready for prom because, you know, Bard has a big prom. That's, they're at Bard High School. And um, and the, these kids weren't going to go to the regular prom, but they were having their own version of prom. So 
they came over to our place and they're putting makeup on. And it was like this very traditional sort of iconic, you know, girls getting ready before prom thing. And they were wearing like, you know, tuxedos or, um, you know, weird hats or poofy skirts, but then with like Doc Martin boots and all this stuff. And one of them was making themselves up with like all this weird, like David Bowie-esque, you know, Ziggy Stardust thing. And some of another one was like painting a mustache on her face. And I mean, it was just like this wonderful skew on, um, on that old tradition. So I think there is a lot of acceptance from us. Certainly I think in my family in general, um, there, you know, my brother and sister-in-law, for example, who live in New York and are close with me, they are a, a little bit um, surprised because, as I said, Andy didn't manifest any of these, um, any sort of dysmorphia or anything like that early on, and it's a relatively recent change. And I think they're... Um, the they them pronouns has been really hard for some people to adjust to um, just because it's like grammatically difficult and it can be confusing for people. Um, and so I think that's been a little, that's like a technical difficulty, but I think on my side of the family, people in general have been very positive um, on my husband's side of the family his parents, his mom and his stepdad, his mom has been great about it. His stepdad um, just won't do it. Like we went on vacation with them and um, asked that, you know, they call Andy, Andy, and that they, as best they can, use they them pronouns and everybody makes mistakes and everybody forgets. And he just said like, no, I'm not gonna do that, no me there Miranda and actually kind of went out of his way to say like hey Miranda come over here girl uh, uh. Um, and that was really you know it, it drew a line for us um, there were all kinds of other things that were wonky about that experience of being on vacation with them but we really determined as parents on our afterward that we weren't going to hang out with him anymore unless he was going to make an effort um, and that you know, we needed to stand by our kid and say, like, you know, and he has no religious objection. He has no political objection. He just can't follow. So, um, well, then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How did Andy, how was that for Andy on that vacation? I mean, did Andy ever, did they 
say anything in response to him or they just sort of ignored it and let they ignored it. They, they ignored it. There were so many other things. My mother-in-law fell and, you know, broke her leg and it, it oh, was gosh. just kind of like oh, a gosh. nightmare on all. And we were in Puerto Rico, not that oh, long God. after the, so anyway, <laughs> there were so many other things to be contended with that, that um, it took a little bit of a backseat, but, but we did have a conversation afterwards about it um, and just said like, you know, and Andy wrote to them afterwards and said like, I really hope that you can respect me and that you can, you know, try your best. And I know it's hard, but, um, and that, that was staggering to me that he would be that cavalier about just. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, I, it's not hard to imagine because I, uh, growing up where I did in the South, I know a lot of people who would take that stance just out yeah. of sheer machismo and ego and just to make a point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At the expense yeah. of someone else and hurting someone. And, and that's awful. And I, and I'm so angry for you guys and sad and, and all of the emotions and for Andy, it's just, you know, to have a young person, as we know, like you said, you guys are the house where everyone goes because they can't necessarily talk to their families or they don't have accepting families. And with the rates of, you know, depression and things like that right. with kids who are figuring out who they are. Um, it's astounding to me that I've never understood. I mean, and I've never been able to understand why a parent would not act with love and in these right. situations or a family member to support, but right. you know, that's what makes us different, I guess, you know, I know it, it, it is, it's really upsetting. And, you know, it's, it's been also really interesting for us because, um, you know, I think we thought we were really hip, you know, <laughs> beforehand we're like, Oh, if our kid's gay, we don't, we love that. Or if they're, you know, whatever. And that now like, you know, the, the possibilities are so much bigger than they, than they were when we were growing up. So right. there has been an adjustment period for me to just kind of like get my, you know, get my brain to process the they, them get my, I, you know, my sense of like when we chose Andy's name, that was the only girl's name that we could agree on. So the idea of losing that name is, you know, and they ask, you know, they say, are you sure it's okay for me to change and go by this? You know, so there are definitely, there are steps that you have to take as a parent that you never thought, you know, that you would have to take because each new generation comes up with new challenges that you couldn't have conceived of beforehand. But the idea that you would just categorically say like, no, I don't accept that. You know, it's like, I think particularly for a kid like Andy, who did not, you know, at age two demonstrate any kind of you know, gender disconnect or anything like that, that it's easy for people on the outside who haven't been that connected with them or who haven't spent that much time talking with them to think like, oh, you're making this up or, oh, it's a phase or, you know, whatever people say to be dismissive. Um, but even if that were the case, it doesn't matter. Like, you have to answer the kid where they are. And so Exactly. How do you, as a parent, I mean, we all want to protect our kids and obviously you saw it firsthand from your father-in-law. 
how do you deal with wanting to protect them as they go out into the world? And what are your fears of how they will handle the treatment that they encounter? And how do you lift them up and prepare them for that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's really hard, guys. Um, Andy has quite a, a fighting spirit, like super loving, um, gentle soul, but has a kind of like, you know, don't, don't get in my face. <laughs> so I like that. I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, I think what I try to help them with the most is the sense that like people aren't necessarily going to get it. Like you're trying to, to express who you are in this beautifully complex, you know, specific, magical way. And people want to find the lowest common denominator, right? They want to find the easiest thing. And so you carry that complexity in you and it doesn't matter if other people don't see it. That, that's the thing that's hard right now because I think so much of this stage of life is about validation and being seen in a certain way. Like I want to be validated that you see who I'm putting forth. And I think that's why there's some experimenting of like, which person do I want to be today? You know? Um, but that's another area where I feel so grateful for the friendships because I feel like a lot of the support comes there. Um, so the way that I, I think I try to, protect them is to, first of all, constantly reinforce the deep knowledge that they have a safe landing place no matter what. Like they can, their home is a place where, where everything is okay. Um, but then also to help them learn as much as possible to internalize their own sense of their own validity so that they don't have to look for it everywhere they go because they're just not going to get it. Um, and, you know, before this change happened, they were just getting to the age where there would be comments in the street and stuff like that. And um, this is kind of nipped that in the bud. <laughs> which I think is good. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's very hard to know because, uh, especially with a, a pretty kid, and I, and I don't mean to be in any way um, dismissive or discriminatory, but it's like people, you know, the pull, the pull of, you know, um, the kind of normative identification is so strong, right. you know, that, um, that all I think I can really do is really help them understand and believe that they carry their own self within them and people are going to see it or not see it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make it any less valid. It doesn't make it any less powerful or, or legitimate about who they are. Um, and I'm so grateful that they have so many kids and people around them who just kind of like, you know, that's the other thing that's beautiful about this generation. It's like, you know, 
they don't think twice about it. It's like, yeah, of course, you're heteromantic bisexual. Right. We all grew up that way. Know. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They will change the world this generation for, yes. for the um, better. Please. Let's hope. Yeah, I know. Please. please. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, so how long now has Andy been Andy? This is, has it been a couple years? Like at it's school? Been, yeah, it's been like a couple years. They're actually in the process of, of um, changing their name completely, which is really interesting. How? Um, so they're going to, they're going from Andy to Rowan which oh. is a name that they chose themselves. It's a tree. It's a healing tree. It's strong, um, but it's also really beautiful. So they went through and chose this name, and they came to us and said, you know, how do you feel about this? And can I change my name to Rowan Miranda Elizabeth Greer, which is keeping their whole name, but just adding Rowan to the front. And, you know, having gone from with the family and having been, we as parents sort of instigating, like, Miranda's now going by Andy, so if you could please call him Andy. So when we, they came up against this extra change, um, we said, okay, we can do this. And if you want to change your name, then we're going to legally change it. And you need to write to your family members and the people who are significant in your life because daddy and I did the explain the first time, but you're 17 now, so you can do it. You're going to write to everybody. And once they've written and explained why they're changing it, and then we're going to have it really changed. But it's weird because then we go to high school and like the teachers are already calling them by that name. So we're like, so the name issue is very much identified with um, this self-chosen Person. So yeah, it's been like two and a half years, and by the time we get to Rowan, it'll be. You know, you're applying to college next year, so it's all this question of like, what name do I use? Wow. Well, I it's just so when you said that they've that you go to school and the teachers are calling them, are they calling them by Rowan already? Yeah, they yeah. are. Ah, wow, wow, wow. and there was there. And I'm guessing there wasn't any pushback then from the school or the team. Not from the school. I mean, you live Not in Brooklyn. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, it's also barred. I have to say like the teachers at barred are just right. Amazing. That's okay. and it's small classes and stuff like that. I think if you had a kid at Stuyvesant, you'd have a harder time because they've got so many kids. And it, I think it depends on the school, but yeah, I mean, it's confusing. <laughs> because we really wanted them to take, and they, they will take this, you know, step of like, you know, there's a little, there's a still a bit of that young magical thinking of like, oh, I can just change this over here and I can just change this over here. And if I wanna have, you know, top surgery and I change my mind, I can just have my breast put back on. Well, no, actually you can't. So <laughs> not everything is so um, easily done. So this was the beginning of our saying, like, if you want this to be done with the family, you need to do the work to put it out there yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I would, I mean, that's like you just said, it's not as easy to just elect to say, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make these changes bodily. And then I'm going to, you know, I can right. always go back. And I think that's something that, you know, we talked to Gavin and, and, you know, the difference in age of, 
yeah. your children. You know what I mean? That to have a 17 year old who already that's a rebellious age, right? And to a some degree, right. they they don't really grasp the gravity of the world and right. life issues. And so to have this attitude of like, well, I'll just, and there's something wonderful to say, like, well, I'll just see what I feel and see how I like yeah. it and I'll try it on. But I do think that, I think that you guys having them write the letter and, and, and vocalize and take the stand for themselves as as opposed to just keeping it sort of in this space of uh, fluidity and not um, really committing. Do you know what I mean? That where, yes. and that, and yes. then that does say to the world and to the family and to everyone that this is serious. It's not a phase. This is right. something that I understand uh, the consequences of, you know, legally changing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it hasn't happened yet. They haven't done it yet. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's part of what I'm trying to help them learn as well, that there's, you know, there's work involved. And if you do something like that and you need to be serious about it, it's right. not just like, you can't, because it's not just you, you're asking all these other people right. to make this change. So, um, so you need to put the work in yourself and we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know? I just think, I think Christina, that that is like such solid supportive parenting. Yeah, and that whole you. you know, it's like you're supporting them, but you're also helping them to realize um, what a large, what a giant thing it is to make a statement like that and the transition yeah. and that you will support them if they do want to become Rowan forever and always. But mm -hmm. um, that's just awesome. Yeah. It's solid supporting parenting, I think. Well, and Thank the thing you. I keep thinking about you, it's, it keeps coming back to this idea of like of self-expression and, mm -hmm. and, you know, teenagers are always trying on these identities and trying to figure out um, who they are. And that's what that time is for. And you have put the power in their hands. You have put the authority in their hands, but with authority and power comes responsibility. And that's what you are teaching them. Um, and I think that it's just incredible. I mean, I, this is advice for any parent, regardless of a child figuring out their gender fluidity, their sexual identity, whatever it is, yep. it's about a child figuring out who they are, mm -hmm. really, at the end mm -hmm. of the day, and being supported through that, but also knowing that they have to own it. Right. You know, right. I'm just, I'm, my mind is being blown right now. I'm so impressed with how you oh. have handled it. This, oh, so. thank you. My goodness. Well, it's it's a hard balance to find, too. And it's true even when they're littler. But it's like, of course, you want them to feel like I could do this and I could be a dad and I could, do, you know, whatever. But but then how much do you, um, you know, how do you really help them understand that then that means, you know, at this age, then you really have to, you know, put in the work. You really have to sort of commit to that and what that's going to mean. And that's going to mean that if you're going to do this thing, then you're not going to do all these other things. Or if you're going to do, you know, if you really want to dance a solo in the nutcracker, then you're not going to be able to do the singing lessons and the soccer practice. And, you know, I mean, it's a silly analogy, but at the same time, it's like you have to give some of yourself to really make this real for you. And um, yeah, it's, it's a complicated journey. And I think as mothers, you know, the, the urge to step in and make something easy 
or easier is so great. Um, and I just remember that my mother did that for me in a way that early on in my life made me feel like I, I couldn't really handle it myself. That's interesting that you say that. I literally just listened to an episode. I listened to the same one. I know exactly what you're going to say. Jessica. Are you talking about Unruffled? Yes. No, I'm talking about Brene Brown. Oh, well, that one too. Okay. Uh, we, there's several, but I literally just listened to this one about setting boundaries for your children, because yeah. if you don't set them early on, then when they grow up, they won't feel that they have the tools Absolutely. to make the decisions for themselves. So it's yeah. like, it, it's wild that you just said that because I just yesterday, I listened to one that talked about that, but it's, yeah. um, it's so true. So I, I just am with Kara. I'm in awe of, I just, so often we hear stories of parents who are not supportive and who, um, and uh, who aren't able to accept their children for who they are and who they come to be and who they decide they're going to be. And I just am really so in awe and impressed with how y'all have handled um, Andy and their, you know, their, I don't know, transition, their journey, their journey. Yeah. 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 Is there any advice you would want to give to a parent in this situation or what, what do you feel like would be most helpful to? Um, wow. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I've always felt like, you know, my job was to help my kids sort of figure out who they were and help them to be as much themselves as they can be. And, um, and I think one of the things that's been interesting for us as a couple, my husband and me, um, is that he doesn't remember his childhood at all really. for a lot of different reasons. He doesn't, so he doesn't remember what it feels like to be 17 or 15 or four. And I really do remember that. So it's been easier for me to like remember when I was 17, like how sure I was about being right about things or how strongly I felt about all the, you know, that whole like the first love and loss and how it does seem like the end of the world and all those things that in retrospect were like, oh my gosh, that was. So not anything, but, um, so I, I guess my advice would be to like, just try to remember, especially with teenagers that like, you're really in this in-between place where, you know, they it may not seem like they need you, but they actually like really need you more. Like even if they just need you to be there and not say anything, um, and to try to really, Um, keep your sense of really needing to be to, to give the to create the boundaries and to give the guidelines and to keep those things in place but to take your kids really seriously because I think a lot of people feel like because there is so much acting out because there is so much emotion and hormones run high and all this kind of stuff it's easy to feel like it's being dramatic or to be you know whatever but these things are very, very real for these kids. And um, 
and to just try to really listen, you know. And I think especially now, you know, this generation of kids who came into the world and have grown up in an environment where they already feel like they're screwed because of climate change. And now we've got COVID. And there is a sense of kind of like underlying panic, I think. So to allow as much room as you can for all the vagaries of emotion that are going to be going around. And just remember that like to that, it may seem histrionic to us, but it's very real to them. And um, to just be as patient as you can. (laughs) It's so funny as you're saying this, it's, it's like the same advice as dealing with a toddler, you know, yeah. like I, that I have right now. His emotions are run so high, but his yeah. emotions are valid. Like him not being able to do the certain thing is the end yeah. of the world. You know, yeah. it, you're saying it like it, it, it runs for yeah. every age of parenting. It's it does. At validating their emotions and what they're feeling is real. It's real to them, even yeah. though the situation might not feel that way to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. This has been, I mean. I'm so glad that I had a chance to, it's really helpful for me to hear myself um, articulate what I think and feel about it. It helps to clarify it for me too. So thank you guys. We so appreciate it. I I feel like there are going to be a lot of parents out there who listen, who can gain so much from this conversation. So we so appreciate it. I love talking about it. I I love the things that I'm learning, so. All the best to the family. So. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Enjoy Thanks, that guys. pool. Enjoy. I will. I will. <laughs> I know. I'm so lucky. You will. All right. Bye. All right. Yay. Now we're up. That was amazing. That was Christine. amazing. Wow. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talkin' Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song, our producers Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. If you like what you're hearing and you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and of course, subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E 
www.thepurpleshouse.org because only together we rise.